0: This is Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bateman. This is the place where people from all walks of life share their anxiety stories to remind you that you are not alone. If you have an anxiety story you'd like to share, contact us at anxietycanada.com slash Our Anxiety Stories. Hi, this is John Bateman. You're listening to Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast. Today, my guest is a Canadian comedian, political activist, voice actor, and writer, Charles Demers. How's it going, Charles?
1: Uh, very well. Thanks very much for having me.
0: It's it's great to have you. Um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, a- as usual, first question, uh, Charles or Charlie, I'll call you if that's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. What is your anxiety story?
1: Uh, yeah, so my, my anxiety story is... Um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's multi, uh, multi-layered. It's a, it's a, a, a tiramisu, uh, shaped, uh, anxiety Sounds story. Delicious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but a little, uh, but, uh, but it's a little much. Um, yeah. uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I guess sort of all my life have, um, uh, dealt with uh, a number of, um, a number of various issues in 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 the sort of anxiety world um the 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 two biggest sort of uh from from a fairly early age uh being uh o c d and um uh generalized uh, anxiety disorder um mm-hmm. uh, and then and then as I got a little bit older on uh, uh in, into the mix were added um um uh soupçon of uh <laughs> panic uh panic disorder and and uh and uh, a, a fair amount of um depression over the years and and um uh so th- those have been the um those have been the, the the sort of four big ones that that I have um I s- just worked through with um uh with uh, my psychologist worked through with my uh, general practitioner um i have uh, uh at times um taken uh medication for uh a couple of them um uh right now um, I, I i still do um take some uh sort of as needed uh medication for the uh for the panic right. um uh but uh, yeah it was uh, for, for me oh, OCD was the, um, OCD was sort of the, the mothership, uh, of, uh, anxiety in my, um, uh, in my life. That's, that, that's definitely the, the one that was, um, I, it's, it started I, as, as a kid, um, uh, I have primary obsessions OCD. Um, uh, so it was, uh, intrusive thoughts, um, uh, f- for people who, um, are unfamiliar with, uh, primary obsessions OCD What typically the way it breaks down is um uh the person who suffers usually experiences uh intrusive thoughts in generally the breaks down into one of three um big uh uh, categories um blasphemous thoughts um Mm -hmm. unwanted um or disturbing sexuality or uh violence um as as a kid, the uh, the big ones for me were were blasphemous thoughts, um, uh, or or like and or just like sticky thinking. I would I would get something disturbing, uh, sort of stuck in my head and 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 be unable to kind of uh, rattle it out, um, or or just process it in the, in the normal way that seemed right. uh, like other kids could. Um, and then as I as I aged into you know puberty um uh I, th- those thoughts turned to uh, uh the other two categories yeah for sure um of course and um yeah it was just uh, i i guess I, I i kept those things uh secret um until my early 20s when um things really uh bubbled over i didn't i didn't really know what was going on uh i had a sense that i had um OCD, uh, but you know, it wasn't really something that was uh, talked about all that much at the time. This is, I'm, I'm 40 years old, uh, yeah. at the moment. So this is, you know, um, uh, just a little more than, um, or just a little less than, uh, 20 years ago when I finally, um, talked to a friend, I, the, the thoughts just kind of got to a place where, um, Suffering through them and the various compulsions that I was doing to kind of deal with them and right and,
0: yeah rituals um, and such, such. the yep. the
1: rituals and, and stuff were just uh, yeah. taking up uh, and, and you know an almost impossible um, part of my day and and uh, the the I guess like with many people the sort of the 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 pain and the discomfort of dealing with the uh, the. Uh, disorder on my own, at that point, just outweighed the, uh, the shame or the worry about um, uh, what the possible sort of consequences or stigma would be if I if I shared that story with somebody else. And so I, I told a friend um, who, of course, uh, was just immediately, um, uh, you know, sort of took me into his arms and, and, and uh, really, that's, that's um, great yeah i mean it was just uh, you know you you just build this thing up as as you know it's going to be the the worst thing in the world you're, you're going to tell somebody and 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 you know they're going to look at you like you just kind of um got off of a spaceship and instead um you know these, these are people who know you right and and uh um uh they uh in this case they know you better than you know, yourself, I mean, in in a, in a literal way, um, they, they actually do have a better idea of how you relate to these thoughts than, than you do. And, um, yeah, it, uh, I basically, um, after, after that conversation, um, was able to talk first to my, uh, first to my, uh, GP, um, and then, uh, and then I got steered into, um, uh cognitive behavioral therapy uh, Be- just actually before we before we get into that Charlie, yeah, can I quickly ask yeah. you
0: when you how like first of all how <clears throat> excuse me how old were you when you recognized this and I and I'm always curious with people who who kind of most people it starts out young um but h- how did that h- how did how old were you recognize it and how did that affect your your experience sort of at school and at home if you don't mind me asking that
1: oh yeah yeah well I mean I I wasn't uh I didn't realize it, um, in any kind of conscious way until, um, I was a, probably a young adult. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, knew, uh, I, I, mean, so we, we had a, a fairly kind of, um, unconventional situation at home in the right. sense that, um, my mom, um, got very, very sick, uh, uh, with, um, cancer, uh, when I was, uh, five and, um, right. Uh, She died when I was 10. um, And uh, so she'd be gone um, uh, into the hospital for for, you know, sometimes up to six weeks at a time um, for for big periods of time in that um, uh, in that time. And at that uh, age,
0: very difficult to deal with. Yeah.
1: It, totally, and 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 I and I think it exacerbated uh, um, a lot of those sort of natural tendencies towards worry and anxiety um, uh, for me. So, so I I think um, uh, in some ways uh, I, that sort of um, that sort of tendency um, may just have kind of been seen by some of the adults in my life as as kind of a um, a sensitivity or a worry mm-hmm. about the, about the situation at home, as opposed to something a little bit more um, uh, clinical or, or problematic like that, that I was, um, uh, that, you know, that I wasn't just, you know, so my mom would call me her, her worry wart because I would, right. uh, you know, I would, I was constantly. I was um, that
0: too. Yeah. I was that yeah, yeah.
1: Right. Okay. So, um, Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, it's, 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 uh, you know, it's not, it's not what a kid is supposed to, No, not, kids aren't supposed to be that way. You're
0: carrying more than you should be carrying. How how does it, how does it, how did it, you know, in terms of peer groups and, and, you know, you know, a kid, you know, kind of an average kid growing up, uh, how did that, uh, did, did that have a profound effect on you with friendships, with, um, you know, being social, with being out with, uh, school, that kind of thing? Uh,
1: I mean, the, the big, um, the big factor for me was that I was, um, I was always very funny, um, like mm-hmm. from a, from a very young age. And so that was always the major factor for me in any kind of friendship situation. It was always that, like, that was always the the key factor for me in social, um, social situations. um, was that I would be the funny kid, and so yeah, i I, yeah. I didn't have I didn't have a lot of trouble making friends at school, or I didn't have a lot, you know, because I I I um I could make people laugh, um, but um it it was as 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 I got older, um, and um there was a there was a point where the neighborhood that we were living in, um, the there was a things got kind of. Um, uh, tough like there were there were some tough kids in yeah. the in the neighborhood um and there was a uh there was a there was a moment where um i it's, it's kind of a long story but some 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 kids from the neighborhood um uh, assaulted a one of the grown-ups on our street oh uh, like it was a it was a very kind of weird but these were like um there were like, and 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 so I that my my anxiety about the um uh you know there's this whole thing about like if you grow up in a tough neighborhood you know it makes you tough or whatever it's like well no it makes the tough kids tough it makes yeah. the other kids terrified yes um and so uh, there definitely was like an increasing um anxiety uh at that time where I was um there was a period in which I felt less inclined to go outside, less inclined to um, um, that in retrospect kind of all got sort of amalgamated into what was going on with my mom, what was going on with, uh, you know, and I, th- I think it was, it was really hard or and would have been really hard for any of the grownups in, in, in my life to kind of disentangle from just the general kind of, yeah craziness of what complicated, was happening.
0: Complicated. So now you mentioned just before we doubled back you mentioned uh CBT cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. Uh so what point how did that come into your life in in and in what ways is that 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 because it's something that became very effective for me. I didn't discover it until maybe five years ago, six years ago, but um, oh, wow. yeah, I know. Yeah. So I'm, I'm by relative terms, kind of a rookie of the game, but uh, it's been very effective for me. So tell me about your experience with it. Um, how that, how that, where you learned about it and kind of what you, how you use it.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like um, the, the, the thing with CBT for me is, is that I, I, I feel so lucky with it because I, I just kind of lucked into this situation where a friend, um, who knew about this thing that I was now sort of talking about, um, came across a study that was going on at the uh, UBC Anxiety Clinic, um, and so actually forwarded me, a, you know, a link um, this would have been in like 2004 or something like that to, to participate in a, in a, or maybe even 2003. I mean, I I was literally, I was, uh, I had just started talking to people about this and, um, uh, I, I got plugged into a free, um, study where I was able to see a cognitive behavioral therapist. I mean, um, you know, for for people who you know aren't aware of the ins and outs of cognitive behavioral therapy um it, you don't get it for free uh no. it's not one of the things that's um it's not one of the things that's covered uh universally and even under you know like i i'm i you know with the actors union i get you know i'm i have coverage but i mean i'm not covered for you know, the number of CBT, uh, uh, sessions that I would love to have in a year. Right. Um, some right. of those I end up I'm going out of pocket for, but for this one, I mean, I was literally, I, I was getting to go in see, uh, see these doctors, um, uh, uh, f- for free. And, and, and so, and, and I, this was at a time in my life when, you know, uh, for dinner, I would eat, um, uh pork rinds rolled up in a pita bread with some mustard on it and, and like and that was di- you know <laughs> yeah. i was i was living in an apartment I was you know you you you'd eat dinner from an esso station right yeah. like, i mean it was yeah. um so so uh, i i i that's something that's one of those you know there but for the grace of god things when i think like what what a 23 year old kid in in 2020 um uh faces when you know in terms of finding the 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 therapy that's going to save their lives um but but for me it was just uh it was this thing that um set me up into a um uh, the therapeutic relationship that uh uh I still see the doctor who I started seeing there I mean I've been I've been seeing the same cognitive behavioral psychologist for um about 16, 17 years. I mean, I, I right. sometimes, sometimes I see them, um, you know, once every few months as a kind of like refresher yeah, for sure. and then other times see them, um, fairly regularly. And I mean, in that time we've talked about OCD and that time we've talked about depression In that time mm. we've, we've, we've talked about, um, uh, anxiety and, and panic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, have looked at different aspects of, of my, um, uh, of, of, of my, uh, uh, mental health. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, the, the, the thing that's just absolutely, I mean, OCD for me is essentially something that I used to have. Um, right. and when you compare that to, where I was at, even in my mid 20s, like mm-hmm. the it's, it's it's
0: it's
1: the it's the mental health equivalent of like a, a faith revival tent, you know, the guy who steps up out of his wheelchair. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it really is like I can't emphasize enough what that transformation means it's amazing Um, yeah it's amazing how it works
0: yeah um so so the i mean you're one of those people that of course there's people who have anxiety um depression who uh kind of aren't yeah there's there's an interesting duality and i experienced it with i spoke with a broadcaster michael landsberg uh, during the same season and uh and so he's somebody who's on tv he's somebody who goes out and talks for people you're a performer um, you know, you're a comedian, you know, you, mm-hmm. you're an actor, you're, you're all those things. How, obviously, you know, you don't get paralyzed by your anxiety or, you know, how does that work for you? Does it, how does it affect you when you're, when you're up there performing? Um, or have you just gotten to the point now where it's, uh, you know, I guess that's a question, you know, how, how has it affected you or how, how, you know, those two kind of work counter to one another sometimes.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, actually at the beginning, uh, when, when OCD was a big, um, uh, problem for me, uh, being on stage was actually one of the only places where, uh, where I was free from compulsive, uh, compulsive think, obsessional thinking and compulsive, uh, rituals to counter the thinking. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the reason for that is because, um, of the the exigencies of being on stage the the w- when you're on stage the show just keeps moving and there's nothing that uh it's like if a fire breaks out in in the back of the restaurant you just have to assume somebody from the staff is going to take care of that fire mm-hmm. because right now you're in front of this crowd you're telling this joke things have to Things have to keep moving, yeah. And so, um, uh, so in in regular life, when I would uh, uh, have an intrusive thought and then stop and and start rolling it over in my head and thinking, um, oh, okay, well, what does that mean? What do I have to do? What does that say about me? What do I have to do now to cancel mm-hmm. out that bad thought? Um, you know, you 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 uh, you'd trip up on a thought and 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 start uh, examining it. Yep. when I was on stage I just had to keep moving so a thought would hit me mm-hmm. and I would just say I don't have time right now I'm in the middle of a joke um yep. like it was it was almost like uh, the intrusive thought voice was like a heckler and yeah. you ju- they were just somebody you had to, to barrel through so
0: because that's a that's a that's a CBT trick I use when I have a thought I just kind of address it and dismiss it. I'm like, Oh, there's a thought. And then keep going. I guess, you know, when you're on the stage, I mean, isn't that to you, is that a moment of, you know, that 20 minutes, 30 minutes, however long you're on there. uh, Is that when you are truly living in the moment, you know, we all strive to live in the moment. Yes. Uh, Do you find that that's what that provides for you?
1: Absolutely. When you're, when you're on stage, like, and I, I have described uh, I've described being on stage as a meditative Experience and in the sense of it is it is pure mindfulness, like where you are, um, uh, you're thinking about uh, your your physicality. Like you're absolutely inhabiting that moment. You 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 aren't thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow. You're not thinking about what happened earlier in the day. Everything in your life is reduced to the the absolute. Um, the the absolute pinpoint of now, yeah. and um, so so I actually f- I actually find that that um, being on stage is 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 one of the least anxious um moments of uh of of my life. Um, you, you can still get you can still get some anxiety mm-hmm. um in in the lead up um to a show um uh and uh uh or 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 coming out of a show um i actually um i actually still do get a little bit of social anxiety when when people want to talk to me after a show because i find find it so um uh it's, it's such an unnatural thing you go you go from being in this like completely um exalted position in, in the room where like you were on a stage you had a microphone everyone yeah. was quiet they were in the dark the light was on you right. um like uh you know and 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 you got to um uh you know you got to speak without interruption yeah you're kind of contro- minutes. You're controlling the situation right it's a very dictatorial <laughs> yeah, um yeah. art form. Yeah. And and then and then and then and, and and also you're responsible for everything that happens in the room. So if uh if one of the servers drops a, a drink tray, like and everybody in the room hears it, yeah. you better have something funny to say about that. Like yeah. you've got something so yeah. so it can often be very um anxiety provoking to then if you go from you've just done that show now you're gonna go into like just trying to talk to somebody like a normal human being yeah um yeah. that can be that can be an anxious um uh, uh change to make to to then try and uh now have a conversation is just just people um wow. but um uh you know and 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 this is one of the things that uh, a lot of comedians uh, with um, uh, addiction problems, have right. talked about the, um, you know, um, like Greg Giraldo, um, who was uh, an amazing uh, comedian who, who, um, who died uh, a number of years ago, and and who struggled with um, uh, struggled with addiction, and and you know, one of the things he talked about was just like there's no people people don't understand what it means to go from being on a stage in a room with 300 people who are hanging on your every word to half an hour later, you're in a hotel room by yourself. Like there's no, there's nothing to mitigate that. Um, it's, it's, it's a big change in, in adrenaline. And so you're, you, you're in that anxiety world of all your fight or flight systems are completely, um, tooled to the wrong situation but um
0: what what I found essentially you're talking about because what I found in doing interviews and I've done stage stuff too myself is that what people don't understand is for people you know who like you who perform you are you know it's like it's like a tank of gas like you're spending 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 energy emotion and all that and you do bottom out and then I can understand you know from you for you to go from that stage and I think this can apply to anything if you're in an in an exam if you're in an interview you know you're doing a rapid hot you know expenditure of energy and then you go back into general public and you don't have much left it's like you know yeah. and then people people expect you to still work at that level that that they're accustomed to seeing you that must be very challenging
1: yeah it's it's uh yeah i mean it's it's um it's it's a very um it's 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 a weird, it's a weird world, right? I mean it's mm-hmm. it's, it's it's uh where where you go up and and, and you you're you're on stage and people get to know a version of you that's not artificial, but it's a version of you that is um a a particular instantiation of, of you. Yeah. Um yeah. that that is not that's not the one that you would um, necessarily um uh, be in a sort of moment to moment, uh, interaction. It,
0: it's not um, the one that's like making breakfast in the morning. No, it's not the one, you know, walking your, your dog, like we were talking about before the interview, it's that, that's a different person and, and that's completely legitimate. Yeah. You know, we're all allowed to do that.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's, I, it's one of the reasons I think that comedians like spending time with other comedians. I think it's, it's, it's a reason that, um, uh, comedians like being around kids is like that mm, that feeling mm. of like you um where you you will be allowed to like have in a kind of explosive moment of of yeah. uh being funny yeah. and then just get to go back to being uh normal uh for a bit like if i'm with my daughter my daughter's six and a half I, you know if i want to you know d- do a funny voice or do a whatever yeah. like you just do that and then you can go back to, you know, immediately go back to, um.
0: Disciplining. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I've got, I've got an 18 year old and a five-year-old and I'm the same way, you know, at one moment I'm character, I'm something. And then the next moment, why are you leaving the fridge door open for so long? Yes. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like <laughs> writing that line. It, I find it can, you know, with kids specifically, I can, I can undermine my own authority if I'm not too careful, but, yes. uh, that's okay. It's fun. Um, you know, let's 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 move from you know from the from the stage. Let's move to the to the written page here, sure. Because you're also an author and uh, you have a, a new book called Primary Primary Obsessions. Um, it, it sounds amazing. Why don't you tell me about Primary Obsessions?
1: Thank you. Yeah. So so Primary Obsessions is um sort of my uh, tribute in a way um uh, to that uh, psychologist who who I mentioned. Um, I've, I've written a, a mystery novel, uh, where the, uh, detective character, um, is, is, ba- is a, a, a CBT psychologist, um, uh, one of whose patients, uh, who suffers from, um, OCD, um, uh, primary obsessions, OCD, um, ha- has been, uh, arrested, uh, for murder. And, uh, essentially, um, Uh, he has been uh, arrested for killing his roommate. Uh, he, uh, keeps, um, a journal of his, um, of the content of his intrusive thoughts, uh, for his, uh, CBT. Uh, the police have found that and, um, are, are using it essentially as, as evidence, uh, against him. And this, um, character uh is in a place of of such um sort of shame uh, still at such an early place in his uh treatment uh mm-hmm. that he's basically not not ready to kind of advocate um on his own uh behalf um I, you know i'm i'm was drawing obviously um uh, in writing this, you know, this young character, uh, from a lot of my feelings, uh, at the time as a, as a young man, um, before I really fully understood what was going on with my OCD, um, where you just feel like you're this, uh, you're this bad guy who's getting away with something. And, and, um, you know, it it would be good if, um, it would be good if, if, if somebody, you know, held you to account somehow. Um, and uh, so the uh, the uh, psychologist character um, sort of basically gets drawn into uh, solving the mystery of uh, behind uh, this killing um, in, in order to uh, in order to basically help um, her patient in a way that does not uh, uh, contravene her um, patient doctor uh, confidentiality. She's basically in a place where she can't she can't reach out and, 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 and say anything about what's going on yeah. uh, without uh, compromising his um, uh, compromising his privacy. And so sort of working around that, she gets sort of drawn into the world of, of, um, of, of what really happened. And uh, um, yeah, it was, it was the, uh, the, the, the detective is sort of, I, I, I sort of um, wanted to write a story sort of set in this, in this world. And I thought, well, okay, the, um the, the OCD detective has already been done with the, um, uh, Tony Shalhoub and, um, Mm -hmm. uh, Monk. And, uh, Mm -hmm. but then I thought, well, I, have I've spent all this time in, in cognitive behavioral therapy. I, I know that world, at least from the, from one side of it, fairly, fairly intimately. Um, uh, and, uh, the idea, you know, we've, uh, we've, um, signed to write a couple of books, um, uh, and, uh, the idea is that, uh, this, this series will, um, uh, basically see this hero, um, character, um, working through mysteries that are set in, you know, different parts of the sort of mental health uh world looking at mm-hmm. different um different disorders different uh um uh different issues and, and ideally you know in a way that uh, is sort of coming from the inside coming from a place of uh, uh of, of sensitivity coming from a place of um uh you know that 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 knows this world um and right. uh so yeah it was uh it was neat to get to to write a piece about. Um, uh, I mean, I've written about OCD before, mm-hmm. um, but uh, this was, uh, you know, this book is, is kind of different. It's 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 a very kind of reader friendly yeah. uh, book, and yeah. and um, uh, and it was nice to get to kind of write a bit of a tribute and and give a bit of a gift that way to this. To this doctor who has, um, you know, meant so much to me in, in my life and, and done so much for me, and um, so, yeah,
0: so writing a book is a big undertaking. Taking uh, people use art as a means to help with their anxiety a lot, mental mm-hmm. mental health. So tell me, you know, writing a book um, for you is d- does it give you more relief in terms of anxiety, or does it cause more anxiety for you? You know how did or does that go back and forth? How yeah. does that work for you? I
1: mean, I mean, I think uh I think it it causes anxiety in the sense of like um like any big project gives you stuff. Normal to worry healthy about anxiety. Get, yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, I would say it's healthy anxiety. It's it's um it's the worry of, you know, is this good? Does this work? How do I make this character come back into the situation in a way that's realistic or you know blah 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 um how do i how do i get um the ball rolling where um you know she she starts investigating this situation um my my own psychologist was uh was a great help in terms of research stuff and and also i have a a couple of friends who um uh lee and jim who um they own the uh, Galliano Island bookstore um, right. and and run the Galliano Island books, book festival. And they're, they're big mystery books. Um, uh book lovers but yeah. they also are both um uh registered psychologists and so they were able to uh help me with certain like legal questions and and a perfect
0: and match right there
1: it was i they're ideal they're wonderful people and they were and they were incredible they were incredibly helpful for this book um and so um you know i was able to do a bit of research and on, on stuff like that but um yeah, I mean I'm I'm generally uh of the mind that um you know my my therapy is my therapy and my my art is my art and yeah. and um I I I I feel like art can be cathartic. Yeah. Um um but it shouldn't um it, it it if it's therapeutic then it's 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 it, it's probably not going to be um great for the audience i i i um i I could be wrong about that and 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 i I tend to
0: agree i tend to agree i think you know i think there's a line where and i've i've read a lot of self-help books and there's a line where it's really either too scientific or too preachy um, or it's just you know what what you're doing is also entertainment but what i like about what you're doing with this book is it's it's also you know kind of subtly advocating for mental health issues too it's it's you know it's bringing it more to the fore i i guess you could say um you know like in terms of autism they had rain man you know there's there's different there's different things that that have come along kind of and what you're doing i think is really uh is really helpful for that for that kind of corner of mental health uh that, that mental health issues that people might be dealing with
1: Thank you. I mean, I, I, I uh, one thing that I would th- like the the one sort of advocacy thing that I just absolutely would um, fully embrace and 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 feel like um, I wouldn't dampen any kind of sort of artistic side of of, of what I'm trying to do is I, I feel like if, if I can, if I can write down anything about the experience of primary obsessions in such a way that somebody reads it and says, oh, that's, I have that. Yeah. Um, there's lots of,
0: there's lots of Easter eggs you can throw in there.
1: Yeah. And 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 still keep
0: it entertaining and still keep it. Absolutely. Yeah. And,
1: and, 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 uh, you know there was there was a piece by um, a writer in the in the Globe and Mail um, that came out probably around 2001 or whatever. I've actually I've actually searched and tried to find this article because I'd, I'd love to contact the writer. I've never been able to find the article. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, somebody um, wrote a piece for the Globe and Mail about um, primary obsessions OCD. They uh, the it, and it starts with this. Um, you know very vivid imagery of this this guy getting his haircut at the barber and having uh, being unable to get the thought out of his head of reaching into the jar of barbicide and taking the scissors out and and stabbing his barber and just being absolutely tormented by this image and and unable to get out out of his head Mm -hmm. and that's the sort of opening for this uh and and this was before I had been diagnosed with OCD. This is before I even knew for sure that it's what I had. This is before I had talked to anyone about it. And reading that piece meant so much to me that I actually, like I cut it out and carried it around with me. Like just to like, yeah. cause it was like this, um, it was like a piece of debris After a a shipwreck or something like that, that I could hold on to, like that the that somebody was saying outside of my head uh, something about what was going on inside of it, and I so I've always felt like if if I can if I can shave any time off of the the period in my life that it took to feel like I could speak to somebody about what was going on Mm -hmm. for the next, uh, for the next person. Yeah. Um, uh, That's, um, that's, that's something I, I would love to be able to say that I did.
0: Well, that's definitely that's our that's my goal with the podcast. Yeah, um, I imagine. And, and, yeah. And what you, you know, what you've provided today for for me, of course. I, I'm amazed at how much I learned from everybody I talk to. Um, for me, and then specifically for the people that listen, um, has been invaluable. And uh, I'm gonna let you go. Uh, but I, I can't express enough how much I appreciate you talking to me and, and being so upfront about it. Another thing I'd like to point out is that uh that uh, I'm always heartened to see more men talking about their mental health issues, because that's a stigma within a stigma we're still working with. And I really, right. appreci- I really appreciate that.
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's, uh, I mean, uh, I, I grew up with, um, uh, you know, I, I guess a, a slightly, um, uh, I, I have written about this as well. I mean, it, it's funny. I, um, After my mom died, we -hmm. we, we moved out of my, uh, until then, after, uh, from the age of about three until 10, uh, um, which is when my mom died, we we lived in the house, uh, we lived in my grandmother's house. And so I lived in this house with... It was me, my mom, my dad, my brother lived uh, downstairs, and my grandmother yeah. and my aunt lived upstairs, and so we right. lived in this quite, you know, a balance of 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 this gender balance. Yeah, and then, um, and then, and then afterwards, I lived in this house. It was just me, my dad, and my brother.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Which which kind of should you know th- theoretically should have been this uh, you know very kind of all male masculine yeah. um, uh, feelings bottled up yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, world. Um, but but that never was uh, how it was with us. I mean, part of that I think was um, uh, my dad's Quebecois and we never really had that sort of um, uh, the stereotypical kind of uh, Anglo-Saxon reservation yeah. about yeah. um emotion and and, right. and so we were always kind of open about those things nice I mean the the other thing and I mean I don't know if this is uh you know I don't mean to indulge in the stereotype or anything like that yeah, yeah, but, yeah. um uh my dad later came um uh came out of the closet uh when I was uh 20 um yeah. uh both my dad and my brother um yeah. uh came out as gay yeah. So it was one of these situations where I learned only in retrospect that <laughs> yeah. I was the only straight guy in the house as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but 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 had developed this whole idea of like, oh, this is how we are is just this is what men are like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Go yeah. to this, go to the symphony, share yeah. your feelings. Yeah. yeah exactly. Um, yeah. And uh, so uh, <laughs> I, I I I I had never had this. Um, I, I'm I'm constantly <laughs> whenever people say to me like, uh, oh, you know it's it's so brave of you to, to um, talk about this. I'm always like, oh oh no, was I not supposed to talk about this? <laughs> yeah. Like, are there people who aren't talking about this? Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I I run into so, the same thing. Yeah, I get,
0: I get those looks of shock as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm I, I'm 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 happy to do it, and uh, yeah. thanks very much for having me.
0: Okay, so the book is Primary Obsessions, CharlieDemers.com. Charlie, I really appreciate talking to you. I look forward to talking to you again in the future.
1: Thanks very much for having you me. John. Take care. Have it. a great one. Cheers.
0: Cheers. Thank you for listening to our anxiety stories. If you'd like to support this podcast or Anxiety Canada, go to anxietycanada.com.